0: Those of you who don't know me, I'm Charles. Um, yeah, good afternoon, King's Cross. Somehow, it is already December 31st, the last day of 2023. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, 2023 was a year too far into the future to think about. Have you all watched Back to the Future movies? This was required watching in our generation. If you had not watched it, you'd be left out of conversations and not understand cultural references. Anyway, did you know that Back to the Future 2, which was released in 1989, goes into the future to only 2015, which was already eight years ago? Other than flying cars, many of the concepts that were predicted about 2015 have become reality, including smartwatches, personalized advertising, video conferencing, and contactless payments. It was not that long ago we had to memorize streets and phone numbers or plan out a trip using physical maps. Everyone with a car in California had something called the Thomas Guide. It was this thick book and you had hundreds of pages of maps and a huge index in the back. Anybody? All right, <laughs> Thomas Guide. International calls were expensive, and if you had a long-distance relationship, you wrote letters that might take a week or more to arrive. I could not have imagined how quickly the world would have Zoom and Teams or turn-by-turn navigation on our smartphones or Coupon Wow. I can forget about getting a present until the night before, go on the net, have a few clicks, and have it delivered to my door in the morning. And so, as we currently live in this futuristic year with advanced technology and comforts that people only dreamed about a few decades ago, it may be worth considering the state of our world. Have we achieved world peace? Despite all of our technological advancements, we have not figured out how to stop fighting. The bitter war between Russia and Ukraine has continued throughout the year. Now there's another war between Israel and Hamas. Our neighbor to the north continues to take provocative actions. There is serious concern that any one of these or other regional conflicts may spread to other regions and trigger another, a larger war, or even World War III. Despite the internet and social media in a world that is more connected than ever technologically, the world and its people are more divided than ever ideologically, both within nations between different people groups and also internationally between nations. People are also lonelier than ever. Did you know that cow hugging became a thing a few years ago? Go to a farm and pay to hug cows. Unfortunately, cow hugging has not solved loneliness with the World Health Organization declaring loneliness as a pressing global health threat just last month in November. Is it surprising that this is the state of our world here in 2023? It is not at all surprising when we consider the timeless Word of God in our passage for today in James chapter 1. Three points for today. One, our fundamental problem. Two, our one true objective. And three, our inspiring motivation. First, our fundamental problem, which we see in our passage. Verse 2 says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You see that in the third line there. Despite them seeming to come around at the same time of the year, Jesus is not Santa Claus. If anyone sold you a version of Christianity that says, Jesus will bring you health, wealth, and happiness in this life, then they didn't share with you the same faith that we read about in the Bible. James says that trials of many kinds are a matter of if. It's not a matter of if, but when. Verse 1 tells us that James wrote this letter to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. The reason that these believers were scattered was that Christians were being persecuted and killed during this time. The first Christian martyr, Stephen, had been killed by stoning. The apostle Paul was stoned and left for dead, though he somehow survived that particular event. This James, who wrote this letter, ends up being martyred for his faith, which we'll discuss later. These early Christians faced persecution, torture, and death, some of the most difficult trials that one can face in life. Even today, there are many believers who are persecuted and who cannot exercise their faiths freely. While most of us here may not be facing persecution for our faiths, suffering and death our certainties in life. Live in this world long enough, and we start collecting scars of painful experiences. A little over a week ago, I was listening to a sermon in the car, and the pastor was talking about how how our experiences of both joy and sorrow are magnified in December, near Christmas and this end-of-the-year period. Our joyful moments seem more joyful, and our sorrows sorrows also seem larger larger at this time of the year. For those of you into MBTI, that's a big thing here in Korea, I am a strong T, thinker. I'm not completely emotionless, but I tend to cry relatively less than the F feelers. But as I was listening to this sermon in the car, and I started thinking about my dad, who passed away on December 21st, six years ago, All of a sudden, I started tearing up, just seemingly out of nowhere, and I ended up missing my exit on the freeway into heavy weekend traffic, and I had to detour for 30 minutes. Korea does not make it easy for you to take detours, right? Even in my teeness, there's a scar somewhere in my heart that I'm not completely aware of. You may have had similar experiences with some painful past experience that you may be carrying with you without even knowing it. This world was broken when James wrote this letter in the first century. It was broken in the 1980s when I was growing up. It was broken in 2023. And no matter how much we advance technologically or think that we may be advancing socially, it will continue to be broken in 2024 and beyond. We may be tempted into thinking that a change in that one external thing that is most pressing for us at the moment will fix our brokenness. If only I got into that school. If only I got a position at that company. If only I had this much money in my bank account. If only I married that kind of person, then my life would be happy. And certainly, any one of these changes may make us feel happier for a period of time. But these types of changes in external circumstances will never address our fundamental problem because the Bible tells us that the core of our problem is not just with the external world, but also within each of our hearts. As our passage today implies, each of us has a heart that is broken, immature, and incomplete. This is a part of Christianity that some people have trouble accepting. People are not fundamentally good. We are fallen beings who constantly distrust God and question His goodness and distrust each other. We are self-centered. We naturally put ourselves before our neighbors, and we want to be the captains of our souls when we were created to find joy in submitting to God. The first step in faith is being able to make this confession. I am deeply broken. Our souls are broken. Our bodies are broken. This world is broken. Everything in the world is disintegrating. We know from science that this world will eventually burn up. But our souls will live eternally. This explains why James gives this confusing and seemingly irrational instruction to consider as pure joy trials of many kinds because the trials can help develop perseverance and lead us to becoming mature and complete, not lacking anything. This brings us to our second point, our one true objective. In our passage, James makes a value statement. He says that becoming mature and complete is so important that even trials can be considered joy. When we trust Jesus with our lives and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, God addresses the fundamental problem of our broken hearts by cleansing us and giving us new hearts. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. This is a free gift. After receiving this free gift, our journey in life then becomes about helping our hearts grow in maturity and character. More like Jesus. This is what we refer to as sanctification. Increasingly becoming mature beings of character and love, this is our one true objective and purpose in life. James is saying that God cares more about our character than our comfort. Like diamonds and gold, which are formed under intense heat and pressure, our characters may be made stronger and more mature as we persevere through trials. There may be lessons learned and convictions confirmed, and strength that may rise that we were unaware of as we go through trials. If our trials lead us to become people of greater character, then the trials have served a higher purpose, and we can consider them as joy. And you may have experienced this in your life, something that was painful at the time, but when you look back, you're now glad of whatever happened and helped you grow. This does not mean that we should seek out trials. James does not say, enjoy your trials or go around looking for them. They will come soon enough. And James recognizes that they are painful and unpleasant, which is why he uses the word consider, because they are not pure joy when we go through them. And when a painful trial comes, and some of us may even be in one right now, it's okay to cry and mourn And the Psalms are actually full of passages of the people of God pouring out their hearts to God in grief. But we do not despair and can see the trials with a different perspective. We do not despair because we trust that there is a purpose to the pain, that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who have been called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. We do not despair because we trust God to redeem and bring good out of the trial we are facing and can even see the trial as an opportunity to mature and grow in character. What would complete maturity look like? Like most answers at church, Jesus. Maturity would include the fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians, like love, joy, and peace. It would look like people who are humble but confident, Strong but tender. People who cry and mourn for themselves and others, but those who do not lose hope or despair. People of wisdom who have no fear. Church, if we consider this deeply, this is a glorious truth. This means each of us here who has put their trust in Jesus is God's work of art. Even as we live in these fragile bodies, these jars of clay, and as we grow in maturity, the light of Jesus will shine brighter in our hearts day by day. There is no worldly achievement or success or possession that is more valuable than your heart and my heart growing in faith. Look around you. Each believer here is a masterpiece in the making. God will complete the good work he started in each of us. The world says what's important is what you achieve and what you acquire. God cares more about who we become. 1 Peter chapter 1 is a similar passage to James 1, and it describes the value of our souls as of greater worth than gold. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, you may have had to suffer grief In all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our hearts growing in maturity, that is the most valuable thing in the world. And when we see the world and people with this perspective, there are many application points. For example, We prioritize doing the right thing more than getting ahead. Do we face the decision to lie, cheat, or backstab to get ahead in school or in our careers or to make more money? In doing so, we would be sacrificing the priceless character of our hearts of greater worth than gold for something temporary and less valuable. Not worth it. We put people before things. And we do not judge the value of a person by what car they drive or what title they have. That's countercultural living in this city, right? Being kind may matter more than being right. These are just a few of the application points. We can learn from characters in the Bible who lived out these principles as well. People who persevered through trials to their joy and for God's glory. For example, Joseph could have thought that his life was over when he faced the trial of being sold into slavery by his own brothers and when he faced the trial of being unjustly imprisoned for years. But he kept honoring God and doing the right thing, and those experiences likely developed in him many of the qualities that he needed for the job when God used those same trials to make him the prime minister of Egypt. He did not take revenge on his brothers, but he told them, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Ruth may have considered her life as a failure when she faced a trial of finding herself a young widow with no money in a foreign land. Young widow, no money, foreign land. But she remained faithful and diligent, and she ended up remarrying a godly, wealthy man named Boaz, and eventually becoming the great-grandmother of King David and an ancestor of Jesus. Just to show that the redemption may not always be in this life, many of the disciples, after acting in foolish ways and not understanding Jesus for many years, they end up maturing so much in their faith that the last trial most of them faced was to become martyrs, which is about as much as Jesus as a person can become Their martyrdom has served as a powerful witness and evidence to show that the resurrection of Jesus really happened as it would be unthinkable for so many of this once cowardly group of disciples to go willingly to their deaths declaring the truth of the resurrection and everlasting life in Jesus unless they were absolutely convinced that Jesus really had risen from the grave. This maturing through trials and God being able to bring good out of any situation, this may sound good and nice in theory, but when we actually face a serious trial, it is easy, it is still easy, to become bitter rather than better. The key to being able to grow and become mature through trials is not repeating to ourselves, no pain, no gain, or whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Self-motivation can only take us so far but continually, but rather, it is continually carrying in our hearts a certain kind of inspiring motivation, which is our final point today. For this last point, let's take a look at James, the author of this letter. There are a number of Jameses in the Bible, including the disciple James, who is one of the three disciples at Jesus' transfiguration with his brother John and also Peter. This James is a different James. He was not one of the disciples. He was actually the half-brother of Jesus. Remember, Jesus did not have any full brothers because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which we confess every week as we did today in the Apostles' Creed. But Mark 6.3 tells us that Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Can you imagine growing up with God? If there were an award for Worst case of growing up in your brother's shadow? This James wins it, hands down. Unanimous selection. From other passages in the Bible, we know that this James was an unbeliever and a skeptic for a long time. We read this in Mark 3, near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. Even Jesus' own family did not understand for a long time his divinity and his specific mission. James may have been here at this event saying to Jesus, Stop embarrassing us, Jesus. Who do you think you are? There's some irony there. (laughs) Know your place. You're out of your mind. The Gospel of John says quite directly that James was an unbeliever and a skeptic. John seven three five. Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret, since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe him. This was a statement of unbelief from his brothers. So How did this half-brother of Jesus who grew up with him go from calling Jesus crazy and not believing in him to writing the beginning of this letter where he introduces himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ? How did this transformation happen to James? Well, we do not know the exact details, but we have a clue. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 15. The apostle Paul writes, "For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles." If there was a chance to go back in time and listen to conversations in history, this one would be a great one to listen to. Unfortunately, there's no recording, not even a summary of what was said when Jesus appeared to James. But we do know something happened that completely changed James. Now, this is not in the Bible, but according to historical records, this James becomes a powerful leader of the church in Jerusalem. He apparently prayed so much that his knees became hard like those of a camel, and he was known as old camel knees. His influence was so powerful that the religious leaders became threatened, and they threw him off a high point when he refused to renounce God. But the fall didn't kill him. He got right back up on his old camel knees and began to pray for his enemies as Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And as he was praying, the religious leaders stoned and clubbed him to death. Assuming that this historical record is true, this is a man who walked the walk and lived out what he wrote in this letter. When James met the resurrected Jesus, I imagine there was an explosion in his heart. He must have felt shame for all his years of unbelief and all of the mean and nasty words that he said to Jesus, and perhaps even yelled at the Son of God. But Jesus must have shown him such grace and love and assurance that this James could not help but fall to his knees in worship and devote the rest of his life to following Jesus. James had complete freedom from fear of death because having met the resurrected Jesus, He had certainty about the one who had conquered death for him. Church, the strength that we need to endure the trials of life comes from how much we experience and understand the love of God. On the cross, Jesus was tortured, the physical pain that he experiences is unimaginable. And we also know he experienced cosmic separation and loneliness as he had never been separated from his father since the beginning of time. This separation was likely more painful than even the physical torture. What can give someone the strength to voluntarily endure this kind of pain? I'm weak, Saas. I don't think I can. But, and God forbid that this ever happens, if there were a situation that, if it's not me, then my kids would have to bear some torture or pain, then perhaps I might have the courage and strength to take that on their behalf out of my love for them. Whatever pain I bore, I would be thinking of them and relieved that I can spare them from such pain. Then I consider that I was that object of love to Jesus. Jesus endured that unbearable pain and separation from God the Father to spare us from the wrath of God and allow us to be reconciled to God. The pure joy that motivated Jesus to bear the cross was you and me. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. This joy that was set before him was us, our salvation and our reconciliation to God. This is how the humility and the confidence of a Christian is formed. We declare, I am deeply broken, but I am deeply loved. We are all broken, so we cannot look down on anybody. We must be humble. But we are so loved by God, we are just as valuable as anyone else, and we can be confident. We can say this to our hearts just one more time. I am deeply broken, but I am deeply loved. We can endure any trial that life can throw at us when we realize that Jesus has already endured and has overcome the greatest trial on our behalf. He took the penalty that we deserved. Is this truth a reality in our hearts? Do we see ourselves as God's joy? If there's any doubt about God's love for us, He has answered it already on the cross. Just look at Jesus on that cross, enduring that pain. This is how much God loves us. If we have not experienced this, this is a good prayer that we can pray, that we would understand and experience God's love. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. We'll be having morning prayer sessions in the next five days. This should be a great time for us to seek God as a community and hear from him. To wrap up, again, this is the last day of 2023. We began the year with the theme of grit. True grace produces true grit. How did we do in 2023? Did we persevere in this post-COVID post-Christian culture and grow closer to Jesus in faith and maturity. As a community, I am encouraged by our resilience and the work that God is doing here. God has provided for us in every way exactly when we needed it, including people, finances, and this very worship place. I've been so encouraged to hear some amazing stories from many of you in our congregation and how God is weaving our lives together. I really look forward to coming each week to worship God and sharing stories of God working among us. If you're someone who's not connected to a community of believers, I encourage you to get connected in 2024. Whether it be a community group or a service team, whether it's here at King's Cross or elsewhere if you're visiting, find some group of a community of believers that you can walk and share life with. We talked about trials and experiencing God's love today. God often uses others in helping us experience his love and overcoming trials to greater maturity. Don't go hugging cows. Get connected to a community of believers. As we look ahead to 2024, I pray we will make the new year primarily not about what we will achieve, but about who we will become, If each of us can see ourselves a year from now and be able to say, I have grown closer to Jesus, a person of greater patience and wisdom and kindness and love, that would have been a good, fruitful 2024, no matter what happens in the coming year. This is actually a liberating thought. Whatever happens in 2024 in our uncertain world, we can consider it a joy and face it together with a God who loves us deeply. In his love, we do not need to fear anything that is to come. I would like to conclude with the timeless words of the famous pastor, Charles Spurgeon, who wrote this on the last Sunday of 1869. Even in this futuristic year, the last day of 2023, our hearts and God's love remain the same as in 1869. This is Charles Spurgeon. Hast thou, hast thou lived as a dying man should live? Hast thou employed thine hours as remembering that they are very few and more precious than the diamonds in an emperor's crown? I never look into my own heart without first feeling shame and afterwards feeling greater love to him who has eternally loved such a sinner as I am. Charles Spurgeon December 26, 1869. I am deeply broken. I am deeply loved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for considering us your joy as you endured the cross. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and giving us new hearts. Thank you for leading us through 2023 as we head into 2024. May each of us have such an experience of your love and such an assurance of our coming hope that we can consider as pure joy any trial that we may face in life. We pray that this community would grow in maturity and increasingly shine the light of your love to each other, this city, and the world in 2024.